Good morning, Parkway Church. Good to see you guys today as we wrap up the series, Ready or Not. In this series, we've been looking at change and how change affects all of us. And we don't have to be fearful of change because God is ultimately in charge. And we can use the change process in the world around us to actually make us look and live more like Jesus. That's what this series has been all about. And today, we're going to wrap it up with a look at how you and I can ensure that our engagement in the body of Christ leads to true, lasting, spiritual change. Before I jump into today's talk, I do want to give you an update on a couple of exciting things in the life of the church. First of all, last week during a business meeting, the members of Parkway Church voted unanimously to sell a two-acre parcel of our property here at Salem and Stockbauer so that we can move forward with our building in Port Lavaca. So thank you, Parkway Church, for your generosity and for your openness to say, if God has given us a resource to use to further his kingdom and to multiply our impact, we will use it. So in the coming weeks, we will come to closing on that deal, Lord willing, and we will be excited to share with you who's going to be our neighbor, and you're going you're gonna to be so excited when I can tell you. I'm, I'm just telling you, it's gonna, you're going to be so, so excited. I can't tell you right now because it hasn't closed yet, but if you'd come to the business meeting, you would know right now how excited you should be. But anyway, good news. We are selling the piece of property. It's going to help us move forward with our progress and our, our project there in Port Lavaca. Also wanted to give you a quick update financially on where we are with our multiply campaign. We have a goal of 100 and Eric one more try. Oh no. We're in the black. Okay, do you get the joke? We're we're, we're not actually. Um Seriously, did y'all not get that joke? Anyway, moving along. Uh, so our goal is $130,000. So far in the first three weeks of our campaign, we have given $18,000. So thank you so much for your generosity. We've got until, until January 26th to close that gap. And I just know that we're going to pray and we're going to give and we're going to give as God has directed us to give as a church. So thank you for your generosity. Let's pray together real quick and we'll jump into today's talk. Father, we thank you for the chance to open your word and to learn and to grow together today. Lord, help us as we open our Bibles today to be challenged, to be encouraged, to be inspired to live godly lives. And Lord, we do pray for true, lasting, spiritual change in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. As we continue our journey through scripture, we are one book away from the very last book of the Bible. We have journeyed in the last two years from the book of Genesis, and now we turn to the book of Jude. So if you brought your Bible, you're going to turn all the way to maps. I'm just going to wait, because if you don't laugh at that, that's the best I got. So you're going to turn all the way to maps, and then you're going to go to the book of Revelation, and then one more book, and that will be Jude's letter to the church. And Jude, as you turn in your Bible, you need to know this. Jude is the half-brother of Jesus. He and James are both half-brothers of Jesus, meaning Joseph and Mary are mother and father, but Jesus is half-brother because Joseph isn't Jesus' dad. God is, right? So you see how the family tree works there. Both Jude and James both came to faith after Jesus died and after he was raised again from the dead. 
I don't know what it would take for you to be convinced that your brother or your sister was God. But Jude and James saw Jesus raised as a child. Jude and James saw Jesus as he did his public ministry. Jude and James saw their brother die on the cross and be raised again from the dead. And they said, that's enough for me. I will believe that he is God. I don't know what it would take for you to believe that your sibling is the Savior. Or your sibling is the Messiah. But what Jude and James saw in Jesus was enough for them. And what we're going to see from Jude is a passionate appeal to the church to remain in the truth of God. What we're going to see from Jude is a passionate appeal to the church to stay in the love of God. We're going to see Jude passionately appeal to the church to say, don't settle for anything less than truth and love. Don't settle for anything less. And so today as we turn to our Bibles, we say, hey Jude, what can we learn today? Jude 1 verse 3. See, that was a sympathy laugh. But what you don't know, I will take your sympathy. Jude 1 verse 3. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and to urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. So Jude looks and says, I was first wanting to write to you about the salvation we share. But as I Listen to God and heard what he wanted me to write to you. Because you realize that the scriptures of God that we hold in our hand are the writings of man, but they're the inspirations of God. These words that we hold in our hand, that written by a guy named Jude, written by a guy who had a real half-brother, Jesus, had a real brother named James. Real man, but inspired by God. And Jude says here, I wanted to write to you about the salvation we share. But I felt compelled. I felt inspired. To write and to urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Now we pause right there. This is a challenging book that we're about to study together. And this is a challenging sermon that we're about to experience together. Because Jude is writing so the church will contend for the faith. It's challenging. It's also very humbling. Because do you see who the faith has been entrusted to? God's holy people. We remember back as we studied Ready for Not that that Peter taught the church that they were a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God, God's special possession. And now we see here that not only is that true of the church, but the people of God, the message, the faith has been entrusted to you and to me. Which means we must contend sometimes with false teaching. We must contend sometimes with false living. So that we pass down the true faith to the next generation. There are times when we must defend. And times that we must live the true faith today. So that the church tomorrow stands on that very same truth. And that's what we're going to be challenged to do today. The book of Jude, we're going to contend and we're going to defend. 
And I want to do it by looking at three lies that have entered into today's church that Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, contends against as he wrote his book thousands of years ago. And the first lie is this. It doesn't matter what I do. You can fill in that blank. The first lie is, if I'm a believer in Jesus, if I have salvation in Christ, the first lie that enters in is that it doesn't matter what I do. You see, we have this view of grace that is amazing. We have this view of grace that my sins, past, present, and future, have all been forgiven, which is true. But we use that truth of God's amazing grace to to become a lie. A lie that says, once I believe in Jesus, I'm all good. It doesn't matter what I do. Once I believe in Jesus, I am covered by the blood of the Lamb. It doesn't matter what I do. Once I believe in Jesus, heaven is my eternal home. It doesn't matter what I do here on earth. Once I believe in Jesus, God's grace takes care of everything else. See, here's the problem with that. It becomes a lie that says it doesn't matter what I do after I believe. It doesn't matter what I do after I've been forgiven. Well, Jude's going to tell us something altogether different. Jude 1, verse 4. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people. So when we say it doesn't matter what we do, Are we on the side of godliness or foolishness? Right here, Jude would say, you're on the side of foolishness. You're on the side of sinfulness. You're on the ungodly side of things. They have secretly slipped in, and what do they do? They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God. How do they pervert the grace of our God? They pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality. And they deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. What Jude is warning us against here is you and I living with a perverted grace in our lives. Is the grace of God amazing? Yes. Is the grace of God undeserved? Yes. Is the grace of God only received by faith in Christ because he died for us on the cross? Yes. Let's not pervert it, though, and think that it think that it gives us a license to do anything and everything we want to do after believing in Christ. Let's not pervert it and say that God's grace is my get out of hell free card. Let's not pervert it and say, I'm forgiven, so it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Let's not pervert it by saying it doesn't matter what I do because of what Christ has done for me on the cross. Let's not pervert it. By making God's grace a license for our immorality. A license for our sin. See, God's grace isn't a license for immorality. It's a change order for holiness. Boy, that'd be a good spot for you to say amen. God's grace is not a license for our immorality. It's a permission slip to be a new and different and changed woman or man in Christ. You see, when you, we, we use God's grace 
in the wrong way. We pervert it. Instead of allowing ourselves to see the grace of God as the power of God at work in you and in me. One of the ways that the church today perverts God's grace is by saying all sins are equal. And in God's sight, all sins are equal. In God's sight, a small sin in my world is the exact same as a huge sin that somebody else commits. It's 100% true. All sins are equal in God's sight because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners in need of God's grace and God's forgiveness. But here's how we pervert that truth. A lot of times, when the people of God in today's church say, all sins are equal, you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to make their big sins small. They're looking and saying, don't judge me for my behavior because you've got sin in your life too. I know that mine is big and hairy and on fire right now. I know that mine is destroying my life right now. I know there are consequences for what I'm doing right now. This is a big, hairy deal. But since all sins are equal, don't you judge me. Here's the problem. This all sins is equal mindset shouldn't be leading us to make our big sins small but instead should be leading us to make our small sins big. It should be leading us to make the things that are small in our lives, the little foxes that will ruin our vineyards, as the Song of Solomon would say. Those little foxes should become big deals because the grace of God isn't a license for immorality. It's a change order for holiness. Friends, we cannot pervert the grace of God and say that all sins are equal. So it doesn't matter what I do. Because all sins are equal, because Jesus died for all sins, because he forgave all of your sins, because he's empowered you to overcome every sin, then it matters what we do and why we do it. You see, the grace of God says, it does matter what you do after you believe. Because I have forgiven you and I have changed you. You are a new creation in Christ. The second lie that's entered into the church. And one of the things you need to know is that as this talk progresses, it gets progressively challenging. It gets, it gets more and more personal as we move along. Aren't you glad we're just on point two? Second point. It doesn't matter who I listen to. Jude's about to contend for the faith against some false teachers that have entered into their fellowship. And in today's world, we live with technology that allows us to have the best of teachers and the worst of teachers within one click. In our world, you have access to some of the best Bible teaching in the history of all Bible teaching. Because we can go back and find transcripts of great sermons from centuries ago and go, that's truth. We can also hear the latest podcast or the latest the, the video syndicate. Like We can hear and see the best and read the best preaching in the world compared to any other generation. More access than any other generation. Which means we also have more access to the worst preaching in the world. 
If we have access to the best, we have access to the worst. You could find some of the worst preaching done in the name of Jesus. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrendous. It's embarrassing. You can find it just like you can find the best. And some of us look and say, it doesn't matter who I listen to as long as I'm listening to someone who says they're godly or who says they're Christian. It doesn't matter who I listen to as long as I'm listening to someone who inspires me or someone who helps me. It doesn't matter who I listen to. But here's the problem with that. Listen to what Jude says. It does matter who we listen to. Jude 1, 12 and 13. These people are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed themselves. Friends, let me tell you this. Shepherds is an equivalent for pastor. And and you need to know this. If you are following or listening to or allowing a pastor who is feeding themselves but not feeding you, you are listening to the wrong voice from the pulpit. Because shepherds are not here to be fed alone. Shepherds are here to feed others. These shepherds were feeding only. It was about them. It wasn't about the body of Christ. It wasn't about the needs of the church. They are clouds without rain. Uh, Jude's about to give us some beautiful word pictures. Jude would have got an A in poetry class with the language he's about to use with us right here. They're clouds without rain. You ever see clouds coming on the horizon and you need rain, but those clouds don't produce it? You know the disappointment you feel? That's the same disappointment you feel when you expect to hear from God and you only get the words of man. Clouds without rain, blowing along by the wind. Autumn trees without fruit and uprooted. <laughs> I love that. that James, or Jude says they are twice dead. You want to judge a teacher? You judge the teacher by the fruit. You judge a teacher by the fruit that it produces in their church and the fruit that it produces in their life. That's how you judge. And these people are without fruit and they're uprooted. They're twice dead. They're wild waves of the sea foaming up their shame. Wandering stars for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. And here's my punch in the gut for the church. You can listen to some teachers and never hear from God. You can listen to some who stand and proclaim in the name of Jesus and never hear from God. Today's church must contend with this truth. We are running away from calling sin a sin in the church today. In the fear of offending Christians... We are no longer calling sin a sin in the church. Friends, those are clouds without rain. Those are autumn trees uprooted and no fruit, twice dead. Those are waves that are just causing controversy and not breeding godliness. There is a branch in the church that must return to the truth of Scripture and Scripture alone. There is also a branch in the church that is making the church and the teaching about men and not about Jesus. There's a branch in the church that wants you to feel like all you need to do to live a godly life is to make good decisions. And God will bless you. And you will be healthy, wealthy, and wise. 
Friends, the problem with that is Jesus never, ever promises our health, our wealth, or even us having a purpose in life that gets us up out of bed early. Jesus never promises that. And so we must return to the church that says, this this isn't about me finding me and me being pleased with me. The church, what Jesus is teaching is, says, come and deny yourself and then you'll find life. Come and deny yourself. Friends, the lie that says it doesn't matter who I listen to is the lie that derails well-meaning Christians to either stray from the truth or to think the truth is all about them. And it's not. The word of God, the truth of God was given to correct us and to rebuke us, to change us, to prepare us for every good work that we have in Christ Jesus. Listen to how Jude pushes through on this idea of false teachers. He says, Jude 17 through 19. Dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who follow their ungodly desires. Remember when we studied 1 Peter? Peter warned us that scoffers would come. And what would scoffers do? Peter said scoffers would come scoffing. So in my mind, I've been saying scoffers going to scoff. That's what they're going to do. And we see here in the last day. What? Now, see, I don't understand your humor. Because scoffers going to scoff, not funny at all to me. But you're like, ah What are scoffers going to do? <laughs> Thank you. They're going to scoff. I, you know, I appreciate some of y'all. But scoffers are going to scoff, and when they do, remember, we learned that they make you doubt God, and they lead you to follow your ungodly desires. We learned that from Peter, and now we see it again from Jude. Verse 19, these are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts, and do not have the Spirit. Friends, as you look at who you listen to, And as you look at who you encourage your friends and your kids and your grandkids to listen to, look at what Jude warns us against. He says, you don't want to listen to people who are going to be harming others. They divide people. There are some teachers that use their position in the church as a way to bully, hurt, and harm the church. These are false teachers that should not be accepted. And we should not simply say, well, I'm glad my kids are going somewhere. Because it matters who we listen to. Second, it matters who we listen to because we don't need the teachings of man. Listen to what Jude said here. These are people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts. False teachers rely on man's wisdom instead of teaching God's wisdom, even when it's necessary. Friends, can I be honest? It would have been a lot easier for me to teach you a message today about being thankful or about being happy. But that's not where the teaching in the Word of God brought us today. I'm not here to share my opinion. You don't need my opinion. My opinion's wrong. I thought Baylor was going to win last night. My opinion's wrong. You don't need the teaching of man. You need the Word of God. You know what else false teachers do? They remove the power of God's word. 
You see here what the Bible says, verse 19, they divide people, they follow mere natural instincts, and they do not have the Spirit. When we teach the Bible without the Spirit of God, we are teaching it in a way that points just to men, that makes it all about us. When we teach that the Bible is a story that's about you and me, and it's focused on you and me, we remove the power of God at work in that story. Now here, let me just be crystal clear with something. Because the word of God itself says that the word of God will never, ever return void. So anytime this word is preached, whether with bad motives or good, God's word can work. God's word will never, ever return void. Even when this is preached with, with horrible like study, even when it's preached with horrible application, even when it's preached with horrible intentions, God's word can and will accomplish what God's word only can and will accomplish because it is not contingent upon men or women and their ability to teach and to apply. It is God's word no matter what. Be crystal clear. But let me just ask you, if you were going to sit under bad teaching and just trust that God's word is going to accomplish what God's word would accomplish, why stay under the bad teaching? It's like going to a bad restaurant again and again and again and again and saying, well, I'm getting some form of nourishment. No. You want to avoid the teaching that leads you to the point that says, it doesn't matter who I listen to, because it does matter who you listen to. Let's finish it up. Jude 1, 20 through 21. And by finish it up, I mean finish up the second point. You who thought I was done. <laughs> Jude 1, 20 through 21. But you, dear children, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. See, we don't have to sit under false teaching, and we don't have to accept false teaching. We can find the best of the best. We don't have to accept the worst of the worst today. But instead, what can we do? We can build ourselves up in the holy faith. How do we do that? You're going to be reading your Bible personally. So that if someone teaches you something from the word of God that you know is out of context, that you know is ripped from its original purpose, if you know it because you studied it personally, you can look and say, hey, that's a fake. I'm not going there. How else do you do it? This pray in the spirit means you're testing every teaching you're receiving and saying, God, is this true? And you start your testing with me. You start your testing with me. I don't want to be a chef that serves you bad food. I want to be a pastor who's a part of the flock, who feeds faithfully the people of God from the word of God. So you start your test with me. And you keep yourselves in God's love. And, and I'm going to move on with this last statement. We remain in good teaching so that good teaching remains in us. We put ourselves in a place and we edit out and delete out anything that is disruptive, anything that is man-centered, anything that is false. Because we want good teaching to remain in us. So we remain in good teaching. Third, it doesn't matter if I'm not connected. 
See, Jude, in his short letter to the church, is challenging some of the core issues of our church with a capital C today. First, with grace, are we using it as a, as a, as a catalyst for change? Or are we using grace as a perversion, as a license for immorality? And then truth, are we staying in truth or are we allowing ourselves to be deceived? And then now he comes and says, it doesn't matter if I'm not connected. In today's day and age, everything is moving to personalization. And the body of Christ is still calling you to community. What do I mean by that? From your house, you can order Starbucks to be delivered right now. Internet campus, some of you probably just did that. You can order from your house and have anything delivered your way, your time. You don't even have to get out of your car when you go to the grocery store anymore if you don't want to. God bless curbside delivery. <laughs> Everything is moving towards customization, but the word of God is still calling us to community. And church isn't an event you attend. Church is a family that you're a part of. In today's day and age, we want it to be about my time, my schedule, my way. And it doesn't matter if I'm not connected. But Jude reminds us that church isn't just about you. It's about us. It's not just about you. It's about you all. It's not just about you. It's about y'all. Listen to what Jude says. Jude 1, 22 through 23. Here's why connection matters among many other reasons. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. See, what Jude describes here is a church that's loving and supporting each other so that we stay in the truth and we live godly lives. What Jude is saying here is that people in our midst need mercy to overcome their doubt. They need accountability to snatch them from the, from the flames of sin. They need mercy so that they can live with grace as a change order, not a license. And here's what I know. To show mercy, you must know people. To show grace, you must know people. To hold people accountable. You must know one another. You can't help people you don't know. You can't show up in people's lives if you don't show up. You can't have an impact if you're not committed. See, this is the truth to the church today. We need each other. The church needs you. And you need the church. Recently, we went and visited my son, Nick, in Waco. And Nick has been in college now for a full year and almost through his, second, his first semester of his sophomore year. And one of the things that he has done in this first year and a half in Waco is to try and find a church. And he started visiting a bunch of different churches. He said, Dad, one of them was very weird and artsy. I didn't fit in there. I'm like, I know, you're my kid. You don't fit in weird and artsy. And then, he, then there was another that he went to that was very, very traditional. He's like, Dad, they sang from books. <laughs> I have raised the most unchurched 
pastor's kid ever. And I love it. And then he found his church. And he told us about it. He said, Dad, like my goal is I'm going to try and find a church as close to Parkway as I possibly can find. It's like, I love that, bro. Thank you. And he said, I found it, Dad. He said, they're all about community. It's about relationships. The music, Dad, it's just, it's just like we do at Parkway. I said, and Nick, how about the preaching? How's the preaching? He said, it's better than Parkway, Dad. I said, I'll, I said, I'll be the judge of that. And so I started listening online, and I could go with their teaching, and we went and visited him a few weeks ago, and we were able to stay and worship with him, and he was so proud to show us his church. Because this is a kid that was born into Parkway Church. This was a kid that moved and was a part of a mega church in Washington, and for him, church was getting on a bus and eating free donuts and having great children's ministry, and then he got called back to Parkway with our family again, and so this was his first chance at 18, 19 years old to go pick his church. And so he was walking us through and telling us how it works, saying, got to get there early because it fills up and, you know, all of that. And so we get there 30 minutes early, and we sit and we get ready for the service. And it was an amazing service. Music was really good, and this young lady came out and started doing announcements. And she gave the typical announcements, you know, we're here to serve our city. We're here to help you find your spot in a group. And then she said, and this is what caught my attention, and I think the church with a capital C needs to hear this message. Then she said, hey, at our church, we have two types of people. We have members and we have guests. Many churches would look and say they have members, attendees, and guests. But at our church, we only see two types of people. We see people that are connected or we see people that are visiting. We see members or we see guests. What a challenge that is because the, to the people that had been attending that church for a couple years and hadn't joined, hadn't found their spot in a group, haven't found their spot on a team, there's a challenge that says you've got to take your next step because it matters that you're connected. Christy elbowed me because she heard the exact same thing. Friends at Parkway, do you realize that there are really only two classifications of people in church life? Those that are connected to, actively involved in, those that are finding their spot in a group, those that are finding their spot in a ministry, those that are finding their family here, those that would classify themselves as members. And then there are those that are guests. People that are welcome, people that are attending, but they aren't connected in yet. Do you realize that if you say, Mike, I've been here for years, but I haven't found my group, I haven't found my ministry, I haven't found membership or joined this church. Do you realize what classification that puts you in? And some would say, it doesn't matter if I'm connected or not, but Jude would say, the church needs you. We need you. Jude would say, take that step to be merciful for others. Take that step to show grace for others. Take that step. So we got on to the sermon at Nick's church. And the, the, the lead preacher wasn't there. It's always like that, isn't it? You want to bring somebody to church and the guy you wanted to hear, he's not there. So I don't know whether or not the preaching's better at that church or not. It wasn't that day. 
Probably is today. What lie do you need to confront in your life today? It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter who I listen to. It doesn't matter if I'm connected. What lie do you need to confront in your life today so that you live a life that is pleasing and honoring to God? To the one who's able to change and do in you and through you what you could never do on your own? But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. And then we see in Jude 1, 24 and 25, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without finding fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open your word today. God, I thank you for the chance to challenge and to love and to contend for and defend the faith today. God, as we commit our lives to you now, help us to be people who fight for the truth today. The truth that says grace isn't a license for immorality, the truth that says it matters who I listen to. The truth that says it matters if I'm connected. Father, I thank you for this loving family. Church, as you pray, what lie do you need to contend with today in your own life? Who do you need to help find true connection, solid teaching, and a right perspective on grace? Who do you need to help? As the church prays, maybe you're here and you say, Mike, I'm not a member yet. I, I am square in that attendee. We invite you to be a part of the family. November 20th, come have dinner with me. Let's talk about your next steps and let's take that step of joining the church. November 20th. Maybe even in this time of prayer, you commit to the Lord. I'll be there that Wednesday night. As the church prays, if you've never believed in Jesus for life, I encourage you today to believe and to find life. The Bible says that you're a sinner who needs a Savior and that Jesus is the Savior of the world. If you've never believed that simple truth, I invite you today to believe. The Lord Jesus says the only response to his death, burial, and resurrection that can make you right with God is your faith. So would today be the day you put your faith in him? Today be the day that you believe that you're a sinner who needs a savior and Jesus is the savior? If it is, pray with me. Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I know that I'm a sinner who needs a savior and that you are the savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life.